It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? Who wants to talk basketball? Who wants to talk championship game of March Madness? We do. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host John Riley from our studios in San Diego. Championship night, San Diego State, University of Connecticut. We wrap up March Madness. John, I can't believe I'm here talking Aztec basketball going to the final game. Can you believe we are where we are? No, I can't. I mean, just <laughs> this is just such an incredible run. I never thought in a million years they get here, but now we're here, and this is a great time for San Diego sports. We're going to talk San Diego State. The greatest moment in the history of Aztec basketball occurred with this. Their win over Florida Atlantic and just ahead, the greatest night ever in the history of San Diego State basketball. Let's start, first of all, with question number one about this basketball team, heroes everywhere. You look in the big picture of this roster, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. And how Brian Dutcher has put this jigsaw puzzle together is amazing. NCAA tournament, are you healthy? Are you hot? This team has come together. They have won 19 of their last 21 games. I think the most amazing thing to me is regardless of what's up there on the scoreboard, they don't rattle. They don't fall apart. They find a way, and they find a hero. It's like as a different hero every game they play in this run through March Madness. Uh, Let's just talk about what happened in the Florida Atlantic game. Up by nine, bingo, hit threes out of the gate, which you never, (laughs) ever see. Matt Bradley drained three threes right out of the gate, gave San Diego State, which turned out to be a nine-point lead. And then they fell apart, and they stopped shooting. I thought there might have been a mistake made when Brian Dutcher sat Matt Bradley down after the hot hand start, Mm -hmm. because when he came back, he wasn't the same player. And Florida Atlantic whittled the lead down, and then all of a sudden, it was a 14-point owl lead over San Diego State. And I thought to myself, how are they going to come back from that? Where are they going to find the offense to make that happen? They didn't need the offense because the defense is what made it happen. And they clawed their way back into the game. They had a 35-12 run in the second half, triggered by the bench bunch and just the completeness of what they were doing on defense. Jaden Ledee had two baskets in a 28-second span. A.G. Arope, four baskets, second half, Mm -hmm. after looking like he was overwhelmed in the first half of the game. The guards, Bradley, found his stroke late in the game, and they rallied this thing back. And there was just no give whatsoever in terms of the level of intensity. It was vintage San Diego State basketball. Heroes everywhere. And obviously, the butler did it. Lamont Butler's (laughs) drive downhill to the corner, stopping when he did not have the baseline to drive to, coming back out, one bounce, straight up, shoulders squared, makes the shot, drains it with a guy in his face and his hands up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was an unbelievable play. And just the eruption on the floor there, the eruption back here in the stadium at Petco Park was just just absolutely amazing. So I, I just think when you look at San Diego State, uh, 
they don't fall apart. They don't rattle. They surely don't get intimidated. Don't talk to me about your three-point shooters. Don't talk to me about your fast-tempo offense. Don't talk to me what you're going to do on the block because my guys will find a way to get it done. Do you know this, John? San Diego State has won games at crunch time by 2, 2, 2, 3, 1, and 1. Included in that, four buzzer-beater victories. Wow. It's just an amazing team. Okay, I've given you my whole sense of the Aztecs, <laughs> how they got to this point, what they did to win this final game. Your reaction? The, it's When that ball went in, when Butler hit that shot, I mean, we were just going crazy. We couldn't believe it. It was like a dream when that went down. I mean, they got to take that photo, and it's going to be etched in people's memories forever. You know, people are saying, put it in the Louvre, you know. It just <laughs> It's so magical. And to think that his foot almost went out of bounds, I mean, it was millimeters. I mean, that would have been so San Diego if his foot had gone out of bounds and we would have lost the game. But, boy, did they come through. And, yet yeah, Matt Bradley. He was red hot to start the game, but, you know, Dutcher usually brings in those subs around the 14, 15 minute mark and Bradley sits, you know, so it, it all worked out. I mean, I'll tell you what, Dutcher always kind of cooks up a plan and every game it's someone new. And this time it was Butler. Uh, he knows how to hit the hot buttons. And I've, I asked him once upon a time during the season, do you intentionally go to your bench bunch five minutes in? just to get them into the rhythm and flow of the game? And he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he says, sometimes I go to the bench bunch to find out who's playing with great confidence and whether I can rely on them and trust them if I have to go back to them later in the game. But I, I really thought to myself, you're sitting Matt Bradley now after he has done what he just did. Uh, but it did work out because the bench bunch came back and kind of bailed them out. And the defense clawed their way back from a 14-point hole. You know, conversely, the first half of the game, I thought Florida Atlantic handled the pressure really well. I don't think they were intimidated by the Aztec guards. Yeah, they weren't. Ball moving side to side, down on the block uh, to the Russian center, got some close-looking baskets. You know, the other unique thing, Ledee and Mensa had seven fouls in the first half. Mm-hmm. Never committed a foul after that because I was worried about are the big guys going to get taken out and have to sit for extended periods. They changed their game and what they did defensively, they did not draw fouls. And then slowly they just started to come back, come back, come back and bingo. There we were. Absolutely tremendous. San Diego State is 32 and six. And look at the people they've run out of the tournament. And they've done it with their calling card in your face defense. Yeah, I mean, this is just so fabulous. So, you know, they, they bring in the guys off the bench and like every guy, every game, it's someone different. But to your point, I agree. I thought some of those fouls that they were getting in the first half on our big guys, they seemed kind of ticky tacky. You know, they didn't seem like they were really hitting them hard. And I was really worried that, you know, if we lost one of our bigs, I mean, it changes the whole complexion of the game. But man, I mean, just that sequence in the second half where they got all those offensive rebounds um, off of the free throws and just held possession for like two or three minutes. I mean, that just really just sucked the air out of the room, you know, for FAU. Okay, let's talk about the next topic on the table, and it's the bigs, because the bigs and the bench bunch really made a difference. And and let's talk about, first of all, Brian Dutcher. His ability to teach the science of playing defense, and you and I talked about this on our last podcast, Aztec basketball is not only quickness, it's not only length, intercepts and passes, clogging up the drive lanes, preventing guys from going 
passes cross the lane. But there's a lot of intangible things as to what they do with their bodies. And I've watched it closely, you know, hip checks, knees out, Mm -hmm. butt backed into the guy. They disrupt the flow of when you got the basketball. And it changes everything you're trying to do offensively, uh, whether it's pick and rolls, whether it's screens, whether it's it's backdoor passes. They got guys everywhere. It's like they're playing seven guys on defense at the other end of the floor. <laughs> Brian yeah. Dutcher is, teaches the science of defense. It's a very unique system. It's a very physical system. It's a very demanding system. And in terms of the of the defensive stars, Jadon Ledee has really had, I think, a mystical second half of the season. He has really grown as a player offensively, defensively, physically. And there's just a mental toughness to him that, okay, I drew a foul on the last play. No problem because they're coming back down. I'm do the same thing again. And he gets away with it. And Nathan Mensah, in terms of the science of playing defense, his positioning, uh, how he uses his body, the physicality of what he does, uh, the the mechanics of blocking shots without fouling guys, Mm -hmm. and the explosiveness of his jumps. That's pretty impressive. He's a really good student of the game. He's a really bright light kid who's getting his master's degree. Uh, these two guys, I think, have made a huge difference in just the whole defensive chemistry. And that's the end result of Brian Dutcher teaching a unique science of how this defense should be played. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, you know, Dutcher likes to keep Mensa in at the very end of the game to kind of close out the, the, the ball game. But he was mentioning how when, you know, last year when, when uh, Ladie was redshirting, during the close scrimmages, they were just blown away by how good he was. And they knew that when he came in this year, he'd be so dominant. But it seemed in the early part of the year, he was trying too hard, wasn't letting the game come to him. But now he's really relaxed. He's settled into a role. And boy, is he excelling at the best time of the year. Not only defensively, he's hitting shots, which he did not do with any consistency during the start of the season. And, you know, we would be remiss if we did not talk about A.G. Arope. Uh, you know, statistically, he does not dominate. You look at him and say, well, he's 6'6". Everybody's got 6'6 six, six guys. But his wingspan and his ability to get up the floor, mm-hmm. holy cow, he plays like he's seven foot. Mm-hmm. And he makes, he grinds on you and he makes enough shots to actually be an integral part of the offense. And he does it when you need him most, because when they're taking him off the bench, John, it's because they're in trouble and they need the chemistry of the game to be flipped into change. And more times than not, he does it. So their bigs are special. It's not sexy to talk defense. It, you know, there's not a lot of star power out there when you're banging boards, knocking guys down, blocking shots, stealing passes, tipping balls, etc. That's the key of what San Diego State is all about, that defense. Yeah, I mean, well, look at that. AG made that block on the you know, second-to-last play of the game. I mean, that was just so tremendous. Where'd that come from? Yeah, I mean, he just, I mean, I think his wingspan is like 7'2". So that he's just a, an incredibly uh, gifted guy and really smart. And that's the thing. You say, you know, Mensa's a bright light. All the bigs are bright lights. They're all really good kids, really intelligent kids, and fantastic athletes. But man, I mean, you, you got four of those big bigs, and you know, Dusher rotates them. He just seems to know how to push the buttons at just the right time. 
terrible thing to say. They got 20 fouls to give. They'll probably need all 20 <laughs> fouls against Connecticut. Let's go to the roster. Third question of the day about Aztec basketball on our bonus coverage. Yeah, I mean, Matt Bradley really came alive in this game, didn't he? I mean, he had been cold during some of the you know last few games in the tournament, but this guy's having a sensational tournament now when it matters most. Well, I was concerned uh, because I thought the coaches looking at video had figured out how to slow Bradley down, and that was to play him. He had to have the ball in the right hand rather than take away his strength to dribble left, dribble drive, dribble pull up fadeaway jumper, etc. What they did in, in this game early was they cleared out the side. So the Aztecs cleared a whole bunch off. Florida Atlantic had to go with those guys, and there was bigger space for Bradley to operate. Start the drive, pull back three-point shot, because they weren't doubling them. There wasn't any help. Mm. He hits three threes out of the gate. Uh, great career. And, you know, Brad, Bradley's a difference maker, and the transfer portal, I think, has really changed Aztec basketball. And they've hit the jackpot on kids. I, I tried to think back in my mind's eye, and it started when Steve Fisher got the first transfer. And it was Randy Holcomb, who had been at Fresno State and bounced into a JC and then showed up. Mm-hmm. And he could shoot. He wasn't a superstar, but he was fairly consistent, played at the other end of the floor, and that was the beginning. And then Tony Bland came from Syracuse. He's from Los Angeles. Big-time reputation. He grew in to be a a, a scorer, uh, kind of like Randy Holcomb. And then the whole thing just exploded. Uh, they, they started getting guys out of the Pac-12. Xavier Thames is one of the great guards San Diego State's ever had, and they don't doesn't get a lot of national recognition. He came from Washington State. Mm-hmm. And then who came after that? Malachi Flynn, yeah. first-round draft pick, yeah. NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, if those guys had stayed at Washington State, if those coaches had coached him up at Washington State, Washington State would not be a bottom feeder in the conference. So those guys were really the trigger points that allowed Aztec basketball to really grow. Good kids, not bad citizens, no egos, selfless, great team players, and great talents. And then that, of course, led us to this entourage, these guys in the jigsaw puzzle box that I talked to, what Bradley did coming from Cal, um, what Tremel did, subverting his game because he knew he was not going to be a starter all the time, but what Tremel has brought from Seattle and then obviously what Ladie did at Ohio State, Texas Christian, and now it's just really grown into a man. Aztecs have used the transfer portal probably better than anybody on the West Coast, and that portal is the reason they're playing in this game tonight against Connecticut. Yeah, it seems that they have a, a unique sort of filtering process of how they go about looking for players. I mean, they're look, obviously looking for those under-the-radar kids with a chip on their shoulder, but gym rats, they're looking for those kind of guys that want to work and want to hustle, and they're looking for guys you know, that have that character that's going to work in that environment. Um, you know, whereas a lot, of, a lot of times there's these disgruntled prima donna superstars that are the ones in the portal that other teams roll the dice on, and those kind of kids usually blow up on them. So Dutcher, Velasquez, all those guys know exactly the right formula. Profile. This is who we want. This Mm -hmm. is what they need to do. This is how we uh, teach the game. 
will you understand it so you can play our game? And defense is obviously part of that equation. All right, before we move on, on our bonus coverage, March Madness going towards championship tip-off tonight, San Diego State University of Connecticut. John, tell people how they can subscribe and explain to them what we want them to do right at the end here of our bonus podcast, The Fans Forum. Yeah, so I'm sure you got a lot of comments, questions, hot takes about tonight's game. Who do you think's going to win? I think we're all rooting for the Aztecs, but let us know your thoughts on tonight's game. You can drop your take in the live chat on Facebook or on YouTube. Got a question for Hacksaw. Got some insight on what you think is going to happen tonight. Let us know. We'll get you involved in the fans forum. Just leave your comment in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. And when you're subscribing on YouTube, click on that little bell. You'll get updates for all the live streams and the video clips that we release throughout the week. And a reminder, go to my website. I wrote a special column today, One Man's Opinion on who San Diego State is and why they are where they are tonight as they go to play Connecticut. And check my website daily. It's all written content. You will like it. And a reminder, when you sample what we do on the podcast, give us a thumbs up so we know that you really approve what we're doing. Let's talk about the guys at the other end of the court. Yeah, so UConn is back. They had this great history under Jim Calhoun, and now the Hurley guy is taken over, and that's an amazing family. Well, the Hurley family from New Jersey is amazing. St. Anthony's and all that heritage of that whole family, the father, the brothers that played, and now look where Dan Hurley is. Jim Calhoun resurrected UConn basketball. Had never been anything except the mid-level Division I program. They got to the Big East conference. He started to recruit. He recruited Northeast. He went into Washington, D.C. He went to Florida. He found great players. UConn is going after its fifth ring tonight. You know, and when you think college basketball, does UConn come to the front of your mind? No, you think college basketball greatness and you think, well, all things Bobby Knight, Indiana. Mm -hmm. You think anything that's related to Kentucky, bluegrass basketball. You think Louisville for a short period of time. You don't think Connecticut. But I'll tell you, Jim (laughs) Calhoun's ability to recruit made UConn a cornerstone like Georgetown, like Syracuse, in the evolution of the Big East Conference, and that was big boy basketball. Uh, Jim Calhoun had a tremendous run. Health problems led to his retirement. Uh, They won another ring under Kevin Ollie, who was there for a short period of time, but there was an NCAA issue, and he wound up resigning. Hurley has come in, and he's gone, gone everywhere to go get kids, and he's done what Calhoun has done, and he's a passion play. Holy cow, he is he's up and down, and he erupts on the bench, and he's yakking with the officials, and he's coaching the officials while he's coaching his team. Uh, he's really put together a collection. And the most amazing thing, they are doing what San Diego State is doing right now. They are playing the best basketball of their season at the right time of the schedule. And they are just mashing everybody, John. They have victories in this tournament, 13, 15, 23, 24, and 28-point margin victories. I mean, they're stomping everybody. It's big boy basketball at its best, and they are bruisers. And if you if you just look at who they've run off, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, they nailed Gonzaga. I mean, they nailed them. Uh, they've just been relentless. Uh, they play tremendous defense. They are physical. And they're like San Diego State. They're nine deep. They run a lot of guys at you. Uh, they've just been tremendous. 30-8 and eight on the season, 78 points per game. They're hitting nine threes, 40% defense. 
their defensive analytics are almost carbon copies of San Diego State. Aztecs are allowing the opponent to shoot 40%. These guys are allowing the opponent to shoot 40%. Uh, 29% from the three-point line. They're averaging 39 boards per game, which is more than San Diego State is averaging during the course of the season. Uh, and they're averaging five block shots per game. they got a bunch of leapers. Wow. Uh, there's no doubt their, their big man, uh, Adama Sinoga, is special. Uh, 6'9", 17.7 rebounds a game. 6'5", off guard, Jordan Hawkins is averaging 16 per game. He does shoot it. He has no conscience, and he is explosive. He's tough to block because he gets up off the floor so quickly. Uh, they've got another forward in Tris Newton, who's averaging, uh, I think, about seven points per game. And a 7-2 center that comes off the bench, Dan Klingen, 7.6 rebounds per game. So they are deep. They are tremendously athletic, and they got two bigs that do things with the basketball offensively uh, and defensively. Yeah, this is going to be a tough assignment for the Aztecs. But remember, UConn started, I think, like 14-0, and and then they went through a rough patch. And I remember uh, reading an article, and Hurley was saying that they kind of lost their identity. you know. And then once they recaptured that, then they got back on, on track. So can the Aztec defense, do you think they can knock them around enough so they play a different kind of game? I think the key to the game, and I don't know that UConn has ever faced this, the key to the game is can you play 40 minutes against that Aztec defense? Because we know San Diego State will be in your face, and we know San Diego State will body you, and there will be hands up there, and they will block the passing lanes, and they will deny you entry into the paint. Can You may have stretches where you play UConn basketball, but just go ask Florida Atlantic. They didn't survive 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Go ask Furman. Go ask Creighton. Go ask College of Charleston. It's a 40-minute game, and San Diego State always finds a way to impose their will, especially in the back half of these games. So I I just don't know that anybody, including what I think is a pretty good UConn team, can handle that type of in-your-face pressure offensively, defensively with the leapers for 40 minutes. you got to play you got to play your best game against their best game, San Diego State's willpower, body bag defense and all that, for 40 minutes. I just don't know that they can do it. They're deep. There's no doubt they'll run a lot of guys in there. I just, I just think that this is going to be such a challenge because I don't think UConn has faced anybody that does what San Diego State does for 40 minutes. Well, I, I've seen that the point spread is vary between seven and a half and eight and a half points. And they said this is one of the most lopsided NCAA finals that we've had in uh, two decades. So the, everybody's picking UConn here. Everybody. So the, can the Aztecs maybe sneak up on them? I think, you know, taking the Aztecs and the points would probably be a good move if you're a better. But I mean, the Aztecs have been magical throughout this whole tournament. I mean, why not us? Why can't this be the year for San Diego State? Nobody has respected them. Nobody. I mean, all the conversations we've had on each of our bonus podcasts, John, about the guys on CBS. And what are they talking about? They're talking about the other team. They're mm-hmm. talking Charleston. They're talking Furman. They're talking Creighton Blue Jay history. They're still they're talking UConn going after the fifth ring. San Diego State doesn't care about point spreads. They don't care about what the guys in the panel, Charles Barkley and his buddies say. They're going to show up and they're going to play 40 minutes. They're going to play Aztec basketball. 
Colors are red and black, but the style of play is black and blue. I think it's, oh, it, this is going to be so much fun. Will the nation enjoy it? Will the nation look at it? Will the TV ratings drop? Maybe. Because this is not... This is not an Aztec team that's in neon lights. It's not like UNLV and Jerry Tarkanian back mm-hmm. in the day, the running rebels that came out of nowhere. Uh, but these guys own it because they play it. They deserve to be in this. This is going to be a tremendous night. Now, let's talk about the other game. Let's talk about the game last night. Let's talk about NCAA women's basketball. This was spectacular. LSU's Lady Tigers win. They derail the Iowa Lady Hawkeyes. The other winner, I think in the big picture, was college basketball. 20,000 fans in that stadium, that arena in Dallas, to watch ladies basketball. TV ratings for the semifinals were 5.8 million. When the ratings are released Monday night or Tuesday for the women's tournament, maybe 7, 8 million. Think about where women's basketball has come from. And these were not the sexy names. Number one, Virginia Tech didn't get there. UConn's Lady Huskies, devastated by injuries, they got knocked out. You just look at the group of teams that got to the tournament, and we thought, wow. And then South Carolina got derailed. So this is this is a win-win for women's college basketball. In terms of LSU, passion play. My goodness, Kim Mulkey, that coach, she uh, she was yelling at the refs as much as she was yelling at her players, and she just kind of willed them to play better. Uh, she was indeed a passion play. I thought she was a little bit over the top. I don't think I've seen in the women's game anybody shoot as many threes as they shot and hit as many threes as they shot. Uh, very impressive. They wound up with 11 threes. Most of those were in the first half of the game when when LSU kind of blew the game open. Iowa got back in it by shooting threes. Iowa, Iowa hit 14 from the arc and still lost the game. Wow. Caitlin Clark couldn't do it by herself. Uh, I, I was just unbelievably impressed with the athleticism of LSU and the roster that Mulkey had put together. This is only her second year there after doing great things at Baylor. But there's no doubt that she's a dynamic coach and she teaches offense. And, boy, they got people that just filled it up. Uh, Jasmine Carson went for 22 off the bench, three-point shooter all over the place. Uh, Alexis uh, uh, Moore had 21. Uh, I was, I, I was kind of bothered at the end of the game. Angel Reese is their big post player, great talent, mm-hmm. really mouthy. I was kind of bothered by the taunting and the celebration in the face of the Iowa players. This running around with the hands over the face, and here's my ring, and I'm going to get fitted for this <laughs> ring, and you lost the game. I thought that was kind of classless. I thought there was a sportsmanship question there. And her response at the press conference is, that's who I am. That's how I play. I'm not going to be like y'all want me to be. I, I, w- I was a little bit disappointed in that. But in the big picture of things, what a great basketball team LSU's got. Caitlin Clark is a tremendous three-point shooter for Iowa, but athletically not as much 
as what she had to go against. And I just think women's basketball was a big winner through the whole tournament. Yeah, it was a great it was a great run. And I watched a lot of the semifinal and final games. But, you know, that player that was, you know, putting her hand in the face, you know, kind of taunting Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark was doing that in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. So basically it was a little bit of turnabout on that. Um, And, you know, I I know just to me, some of the smack talking makes it a little bit more of an entertaining game. And the you'd like to your point, the athleticism. Of, of these players was tremendous. Not just their shooting ability from the three, but their passing. I mean, it was really entertaining to watch. So good on the whole sport for NCAA basketball. I mean, what a weekend that we're being entertained here. You know, Final Four for both men and women is just terrific. Side, sidebar story, though. On Monday, we're talking about the referees in that game. And when you're talking about the referees in that game, that becomes kind of a sidebar issue that kind of impacted the game. I thought they called an awful lot of fouls early. I thought they backed off in the second half. There was an awful lot of barking from both coaches towards the referees. They called 37 fouls in that game. Now, Iowa plays down on the block, and they pound you. So you expect their people to draw fouls. But 37 fouls collectively in the game, 41 free throws in the game. Uh, and they, they never handled the coaches very well. Kim Mulkey was on that floor all night, pointing, yelling. <laughs> and they didn't chase her back into the coach's box. And I, I think the Iowa coaching staff was a little disturbed that Mulkey was going up and down the floor, on the floor, throughout the course of the evening. So uh, I, th- I think the officiating kind of has to go into a microscope now. Or was it just such a physically tough game that they had to call the fouls? Yeah, I mean, it was something. I mean, that that coach for LSU, I mean, I love the way she dresses. She's like, you know, it's a spectacle, and her team rallies behind her. And, I mean, you got to give her credit. It's only her second year in that program, right? And she's really brought them back. I mean, so it just it was a great run, you know. And, and it's just nice to see that the women's game has really continued to progress. I think there's a lot more interest in the WNBA, and this can only help the sport overall. Yeah, I think the correct word you're using to describe uh – Kim Mulkey is diva. <laughs> she was excitable. Yeah, she was. Oh, what a great game. Okay, time for fans form. Before we start, John, just really briefly here, remind everybody how they can subscribe to all the different things that we do on our Thursday podcast, as well as the bonus coverage on Monday. Sure. So, yeah, we've got uh, the, the fans form right now. We, you can still get involved. If you've got a question, a comment on tonight's game, type it in in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved with Hacksaw and the fans form segment. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, you know, really every platform we're there, including on YouTube. Um, and then, you know, be sure to subscribe YouTube and click on that bell to get updates on all of the new episodes and, and live uh, streams that we drop. And go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Check my one man's opinion column. It's all about who the Aztecs are, why they're playing in this game against Connecticut. And check all the written content, the best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, and our mini polls. That's on my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Okay, we got people that want to participate. Go ahead, John, bring it up. Okay, well, let's get to some of these YouTube comments that have been coming in throughout the week, and they're just great. And uh, this one is from Michael Key talking about the beast from the east the Kemba flop I mean there's some uh, we got some uh, revenge here in this game tonight for what happened 10 years ago 
You were referencing the word payback. Yeah. Talking about UConn beating San Diego State, uh, Kemba Walker's drive, uh, the hit, uh, Jamal Franklin taking the technical foul. Did Kemba flop? Was he run over, et cetera, et cetera? But, you know, the Aztecs had never been that deep in the tournament, so it's a learning curve. Uh, they're a lot deeper playing in this game tonight. Yeah, we haven't forgotten UConn, but uh, I don't think that era has anything to do with what we're going to see tonight. Aztecs, Huskies. Yeah, I, I just think it's great. But there's just all these storylines, you know, for this game. So, I mean, the Aztecs, man, have a great opportunity in front of them. Here, let's go back here. We got another comment here on the on the uh, the fans forum in today's live stream. Hacksaw, you know, this is from uh, C20 Moreno. Hacksaw, please put in perspective this Aztecs run this year and what an NCAA title will mean for this program and for San Diego. Thank you. Well, I concur with you, uh, CT. Uh, you know, you you look at, at the growth of the program and you take it in steps. I recall back. All, all the years I've been up on the hill covering the games. I broadcast Aztec football and basketball for a brief period of time when they were on our stations, um, going to press conferences and where they were when they started in dark, dank Peterson Gym and then the empty San Diego Sports Arena when nobody would come. And then obviously what, what Cox Arena Viejas has, has now become. And I remember the excitement the first time under Steve Fisher they got to go to a tournament. They got an NIT invite. And I, I remember talking to Steve about going to the Mecca. I mean, I'm an East Coast guy. I grew up on Long Island. I went to Madison Square Garden. And I said, do your players realize where they're going to play? And he said, no, they're too young. They don't really know the history of college basketball. Its birthplace was New York. Mm-hmm. Way back in the 40s and 50s, college basketball was bigger than a lot of things. And its birthplace was at Madison Square Garden with the NIT, which initially was a championship game. Uh, so they said, we're going to grow through this. We're going to learn from it. But I remember, oh, we're going to the NIT. Well, the NIT is no longer what it used to be because of March Madness's expansion to a field of 64 or 68. Uh, but they've really grown. For them to do this sends a message to the whole country. And I'm sure it opens up a lot more recruiting doors for Brian Dutcher. Now, whether this is the catalyst and the jumping off point to go be a member of the Pac-12, I think it is. And now, now, granted, the rest of the athletic program, including football, has to get up and running to be able to compete at that next level. But what they've built at San Diego State, I think, allows them to be a legitimate Pac-12 team going forward. And if they could raise a trophy tonight, <laughs> wow, wow. You know, I keep thinking about the banners. And originally I was thinking, hey, another Sweet 16 banner. And now it's an Elite 8 banner. Now it's either a national championship or runner-up banner at VA House. That's going to be great. Well, I remember back in, it was either 02 or 03 when Fisher brought him to the NCAA for the first time and they faced Illinois. And those guys were big. And we re- understood that we were like, you know, it was a whole different tier of basketball back then. But this slow build, the way they've kind of built this program, I mean, it's just remarkable. Yeah, I, To your point, I think, yeah, this helps them get positioned into the Pac-12 or maybe the Big 12. And at minimum, we, they should start talking about the Aztecs in the same breath that they talk about Gonzaga, you know, as a non-major but still a legit program. Concur. I mean, the basketball powers on the West Coast now – our UCLA because of its history and legacy, Gonzaga because of its modern-day accomplishments under Mark Few, 
move over. San Diego State has just joined that conversation line. Next question. Next question. So this is from George Van Valkenburg, and he says, uh, we believe we will win. Go 2022-23 uh, basketball, Final Four, Aztecs. I've waited over 60 years. I love old Peterson Jim. That is where the great Aztec Tony Gwynn played. He's one of the legends leading up to now class of 1965. Uh, George, they've grown this thing. This thing is electric. This thing is now a fabric of the community. And I thought about this this morning. You think back to our community, and our community was small market San Diego. And our community was, we have a baseball team, and ooh, the Padres got to the World Series twice. And then the Chargers grasped the community in 1995 by actually going to the Super Bowl. And now look at where the Aztecs are. So it's a tremendous accomplishment for our community. And who would have ever thought we'd have the day when you and I'd be sitting here doing a bonus podcast and talking about San Diego being a basketball city, mm-hmm. a basketball city. This is the the city that had the Clippers and Donald Sterling and lost the NBA and the, they had never supported anything in college basketball. And now it's the place to be the in thing. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Dutcher talks about how San Diego, San Diego State basketball is like the second pro team after the Padres. That's a fair point. Um, but just, it's just an incredible run here. I mean, to me, the Aztecs making the final four, much less the national championship game, is more improbable than the Padres making the World Series. I mean, this is just in a remarkable thing. So, wow, what a day. What once, a, once in a lifetime opportunity and experience yeah. for these kids that program. And for all the fans that are, are wearing red and black, everybody, everybody is an Aztec fan today. I firmly believe that. Yeah, I think it's just great. Let's go back to some more YouTube comments. This is about the no blue bloods, you know, and whether it's going to affect the ratings. And uh, Dom Black says, the problem is that many fans tune in to watch NBA level talent or their blue blood team. And since that seems to make up most of the country, this final four seems destined for low ratings. Hopefully I'm wrong. Well, I think you're probably correct. Uh, You know, UConn, even though it's got that history in the Calhoun era, and San Diego State has no national history at all, so therefore I don't think it will be as as big a TV draw. But at this point in time, who cares? San Diego State is where they've never been before and a chance to take the step where maybe – It'll be forever before they ever get this chance to do this again. Uh, but this is just a tremendous accomplishment. I don't, I don't get caught up too much in the TV ratings. I get caught up in the quality of the event, how electric is it to watch the finish line, et cetera. And also, you know, we're saying farewell to Jim Nance, who's stepping aside as one of the great broadcasters of all time on NCAA tournament basketball. So I won't worry if, if, if their TV number is less than the women, because I, I do think the LSU victory over Iowa will propel TV ratings to an all-time high for women's basketball. And on this one odd occasion, it may well be that this they surpass what the men's game is going to do. But March Madness is about history. March Madness is about the Indiana Hoosiers. And March Madness is is about Kentucky. And March Madness is about great runs by so many other programs and coaches and the Cinderella teams that mm-hmm. have gotten to the Final Four. And in this unique case, Aztec basketball, a Cinderella team, 
playing Championship Monday? Well, it's East Coast, West Coast. I mean, there's a lot of things that line up for this. But remember about eight, nine years ago, Butler was in the finals. And and that was exciting, you know, for them as a mid-major. So it'd be great to see this to be just another classic game. I don't want to see a 10-plus point blowout. Love to have it come down to a final shot by Lamont Butler. How about that? As long as the Aztecs are playing defense, there's a chance there'll be another hero who will surface against UConn. And I guarantee you, John, <laughs> UConn's going to face something tonight when they have the basketball that they have not faced all year. 40 minutes of hell on defense, courtesy San Diego State. Yeah, right on. I mean, there's so much enthusiasm in the community. This is from Kevin McCarthy. And he says, and he was talking, this is the preview for the FAU game. And he says, I am so pumped for this game, baby. Class of 2003 right here. Lived on 55th Street. Watched plenty of games at Viejas. I love this national hype we're getting. This program has been steady grinding for so long. Only phrase that just popped to the front of my mind. Dick Vitale. It's awesome, baby. (laughs) That's going to be great. Hey, thanks for being with us. Part of our bonus coverage, March Madness. Hope you'll check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Want you to text, tweet, email, tell all your friends on Facebook about our website. Introduce them to also our podcast, our bonus podcast on Monday and our regular Thursday podcast. John? Cancel everything else you have scheduled. (laughs) Get ready for basketball tonight. Aztecs, UConn Huskies does not get any better from this. Enjoy March Madness. Yeah, go Aztecs. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.